Welcome to our podcast, Healing Arts from the Borderland, organized by the Borderland Rainbow Center in El Paso, Texas. This is made possible through a grant for TASA, Texas Association Against Sexual Assault. And in this podcast, we provide cultural, spiritual enrichment to aid in healing in both this podcast as well as in workshops. Now, this podcast is for individuals in recovery, survivors, or for those who simply wish to be inspired by stories of resiliency. If you'd like to tell your story, please contact us at hstbgrant at borderlandrainbow.org or go ahead and feel free to check everything out in the links below. Now, my name is Amber and I'll be our guide interviewing artists and healers and how they came to be and their struggles and how they're helping the community now. Now, real quick, before we get started, I'd like to do a simple ask from you, and that would be that if you enjoy these podcasts, if these stories lift you up in any way, that you go ahead and share this with people who you think that this would resonate with. It's one of the best ways for us to grow and to reach bigger audiences and to have more uh, interaction with people. So uh, without much further ado, let's go ahead and get started. It is worth every single ounce of energy effort blood sweat tears like anything why is that because it's really you on the other side we are joined today by deep thinker yogi organizer carissa in a conversation spanning self-discovery the team within and knowing who to share with i'm super excited for this interview so what i want at this very beginning is just to kind of tell me a little bit about yourself how do you identify what is your art form my name is caressa i was born in beaumont hospital my family is from right here in the borderland uh, el paso juarez my dad was in the military i did kindergarten here and then we moved and i came back about five years ago so i came back at the age of about like 37, 38, somewhere around there. I identify as female. Beyond that, you know, people are with your sexual orientation. I remember, ooh, a, a while ago, I was in my early 20s. Felt like I was coming up on the end of my first female relationship. And my best friend asked me, so like after this, are you going to continue dating women? Or are you going to go to guys? What's up? And I hadn't even thought about that, even though I knew this relationship was on the end. And I said, you know, I don't think I fall in love with bodies. I think I fall in love with souls. And at that time, I was definitely not what would be termed as a spiritual person. <laughs> so even I was surprised at my own answer, but my heart told me that was the right answer. I have found that to be the case. You look at people that I've been with and sort of crosses a lot of gamuts. There's not like a type. I love that about myself. I love that. I've done the work to be able to really embrace that because that's very freeing. As far as my medicines that I carry, I continue to find new ones on the regular and it's very humbling experience. Medicines that I know I carry strongly are medicines that have to do with the transcendence of things such as mental, behavioral, emotional addiction stuff. I've lived that life. And so those are the medicines that I carry is how can we accept that and how can we work with that from a loving and compassionate space to self and to others. I also work very strongly with the breath. I use different breathing techniques to accomplish different things for myself and for others. Say breath in a very general big sense is one of the medicines that I carry, whether that's to move emotions, whether that's on the other end of the spectrum to activate Shakti, right? Our Kundalini, our sensual mm -hmm. sexual energy. So I do run the gamut on breath as medicine. Beyond that, the newest one that was confirmed for me, and it's one of the ones that's moved me the most, is I'm going to carry the medicine 
discipline of assisting others to open through that life experiences. A lot of us have very skillfully learned to close our heart off. And I believe if that's the case for anyone, that it was necessary at that time. There was a given moment where that was the best course of action in order for us to get through whatever that experience was. But many times then our survival mechanism says, well, this is the course of action and I'm going to stay closed off and I'm going to protect. That's very limiting and detrimental to a human because we are geared for connection. I myself was very closed off for most of my life and I've done the work to open up and now beyond that work, now it's an embodied state. So I feel that that's one of the most humbling ones that I feel that I've really incarnated now is this capacity to assist others to open up with themselves and then beyond that. I haven't heard anybody use that kind of terminology, using it as medicines. And so by medicine, it's your healing art, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think like brought you to be this person? What evolution did you have to become who you are today? It's a great question. When I got to the age of 36, I had a catalyst. I had already lived plenty of life. I had already had plenty of experiences with addiction of different flavors. So I've already had all this life and I've already got my survival strategies and my coping mechanisms unlocked. That catalyst really rocked my world. Now, in those moments, what I was very sure of is that every single one of my survival strategies and coping mechanisms wanted to pop off at the same time. It was so much wanting to pop off at the same time. And I had dug myself out of some of these states before individually individually with alcohol or individually with this substance or another and depression and all these things when they all wanted to come up at once that's when I was actually concerned because I was I do not know that I could crawl myself out this time not out of all of them at once and again this was a big catalyst that happened in my life and just rocked my world if I don't figure out how to get something in check I don't know that I'm not I'm gonna be here much longer so having a career previously in the medical field I said let's triage this situation out (laughs) What is the most important thing in this moment, in this situation? And it was to find a way to be able to keep my mind from executing so many of the ideas and the thoughts that it was having. I said, okay, cool. We reflect on that. And what I came up with was, well, I've heard of meditation. Never really done it. I'd done some yoga here and there. Intellectually, logically, that seemed like a very good plan to execute. The other thing that I was very aware of was that I wasn't going to be able to show up in a halfway kind of way because I could feel how much energy and how much potentials were wanting to just blast out of me. I also wanted to mention that because that's how it is for all of us. If we have a big, strong energy, whatever it is, that's trying to rock your world and to dominate your life, we're going to have to meet it at the same energetic level. And so I knew I was going to have to bring the whole arsenal. So I went into that and that's how I started my journey. And I started doing workshops with them and they had sits multiple times a week. And they also had addiction recovery groups as part of this meditation institution. From there, I just started searching. That was what started me on this path of, of exploration, this path, some right call it seeking. We get to a point where mm-hmm. we begin to seek And we oftentimes don't know what we are seeking. We just know that there is something that we're looking for. What has been challenging through this for you? If there has been anything challenging. Oh, there's been so many challenges. So for example, for me, there's a very strong science background. And I had been that like that since I was a child, very science driven, very numbers driven. So part of the challenging thing is when you come into these kinds of modalities, whether it's meditation, whether it's yoga, whether it's tapping, any of these modalities that you can bring a strong science backing with, once you roll with those peeps for a little bit, you realize there's a lot more to science back to things going on. And that's where for me, in the beginning, it was a little challenging because I would hear people speak about energy. Mm -hmm. You start rolling different places, you start hearing these things that 
in other places you don't really hear. So you start hearing about, you know, when I walked into this one space, it felt like blah, blah, blah. And so part of you starts feeling a little, maybe this isn't my place. Mm -hmm. I don't have these experiences. And so I know some people have reconnected with their gifts early in life. For some of us, it takes a little later and it just comes up naturally. And then for some of us, and I believe this to be the case for me, required for me to say, polish off some of these life experiences mm -hmm. in order for me to access these abilities. So now, can I connect with energy? Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite games ever. <laughs> but in the beginning, I couldn't. And so that was challenging for me to be hearing things and experiences that people were having and these abilities and for me not to have that or mm. feel, because I do, right? Because mm. we all have it, but feel that I didn't have that. So that can be, I found a bit challenging for myself. At some point, if you continue down these paths, it does require faith. Mm -hmm. And I feel that faith for many people automatically might bring in the word religion. And for many people that automatically doesn't have a very yummy taste in the mouth. And most of us like only yummy things in our mouth, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that potential where the religion, spiritual kind of thing, especially depending on how we were raised. In El Paso, there's a lot of Catholicism. And so that comes with its own structures and, and limitations as far as how you live your life and what you are sort of allowed to believe. As do all religions, some Sometimes that can be challenging. For me, it was challenging from the perspective of we had done a lot of religion when I was a child. And the last one we landed with was honestly, I've heard it referred to before as a cult. I don't know if I would necessarily use that word, but there is a lot of limitations on how you live your life and who you associate with from that kind of perspective. For those reasons, I myself had a funny little interesting flavor when it comes to religion, when it comes to God as well. Not because I had anything against God or spirit or whatever label we want to put on that type of energy, but just because of what I had seen around me that included God. They sort of made me go, what's up with that? So anchoring into faith was a bit challenging for me. Mm -hmm. And if you couple that up with my previous experiences and the fact that I'm very intellectually driven, very science driven. What do you mean faith? Well, can you prove it? You know, there's a scientific process that we can do to make sure. No, it's faith. It's this whole, if you're very scientifically driven, faith is a very abstract concept. So I actually found myself for a few years analyzing some of my most closest friends' faith, people that I can see. If you've ever known people that just flow, you're like, how are you financing all these trips? How are you doing this? And they're like, I don't know, whenever any money, spirit gives it to me, it just uh -huh. comes. I'm like, what? So I did have to take a scientific approach to my faith, but now it's more of a free fall approach. But I would say those were the things. And the other thing that's been really challenging at times, and I know that this is common for so many people on a conscious path is this is not a path for weak-hearted people. This mm -hmm. is not a path for those that just step down. Why? Not because you gotta like knit and grit, but because it's not comfortable for a human for it to see its own shortcomings. Mm -hmm. I like to say it all goes back to survival strategies. If I look at any of the funny little things that I've ever done that have gotten me into trouble to include with the law, always at the core center of that was a survival strategy that developed at some point in my life. And so if we take that approach, it makes that pill a little easier to swallow, particularly when we're in the beginning. There's so much to observe if we choose to observe. If we're looking to be responsible for self, I take an example of my own anger. You know how many things I've destroyed? How many rooms? Then there's the guilt afterwards because you always destroy something you really love. And then there's like, when I look at that, I was like, okay, cool. I was an angry person. All right, cool. Up to there, I could always handle that info. Yeah, not a problem. Put whatever label you want on it. I don't care. That was the attitude. However, when you start 
gently opening up that heart and start being willing to look. And you find out, like one of the little phrases they use in psychology is a mad is sad's protector. You're like, what? One of the phrases that I use is take the person that you've ever seen be the biggest, rudest person to somebody else. Just an aggressor. I can guarantee you to the degree that you saw their rage and their dark side, that aggression is to the degree that their pain is. When we do it to the outward for compassion, we can see that and compassion to me, compassion to them. But when you're looking at it and it's you, it lands really different. When you start doing the work and you get to that point that you can realize, oh, snap, it's true. All the anger and all the rage that I experienced is a very equal, parallel, energetic force to my pain. That can be a hard pill to swallow, as it is when we realize why we don't set healthy boundaries with people, why we're a workaholic, why we're a perfectionist, like all of these things that sometimes we label as personality. No, it's just how she is. She, mm. She's just very hypercritical. No, dude, our our birthright as humans is not to be hypercritical, perfectionist, workaholics. It's not. Those are patterns, even those. And I say that having been every single one of the ones I just mentioned, I live that life. It got me far in my career. Because I was always going to be at work. Mm. But where does that stem from? Well, because I want your love and I don't want you to reject me. And I want to make sure I'm worthy. And so I'm going to be your best employee. Mm. That's why I feel it can be very challenging to get on a conscious path. Mm. But it is worth every single ounce of energy, effort, blood, sweat, tears, like anything. Why is that? Because it's really you on the other side. And that existential loneliness and that void that I don't know how to fill and all of these things. It's you, baby girl. It's you, baby boy. It's you, little you. It's you that you're missing. And it's you on the other side of all of those things that are so difficult to see and sit with and hold and accept. It's on the other side of that. So it's always worth every ounce of energy and investment that we ever make into that. Without awareness, we're not going to go very far. What have your healing modalities taught you? Beyond the benefits that I've received as far as changing mindset. So a lot of times we go into things, even if we read a book. So if we read the four agreements, talks about how we speak and goes deep into that. Talks about doing our best, talks about these things. So beyond those kinds of benefits, I think the most of what it's taught me when you look at it from a bigger lens to release control, to release my perception of how I believe things should be, to really remember that that's everybody's best, whatever you're interacting with in that moment. I do have a mindfulness system on, on for a few things on, on how to catch myself in that. That is a lot of the game. And I do believe the whole thing to be a game. It took me a while to be able to accept that it was a game because I would take things very seriously. I'm like, this is not a game. This is my life. It is a little bit of a game. And so I call them fun, compassionate, loving ways to work with the funny, tricky parts of your human. I have a tendency to fill in the blank. What's a fun, loving, creative way that compassionate way that I can work with myself on that? You get creative, you give it some time. If you connect with spirit, you ask her for some guidance or your teams mm-hmm. or whoever you like to roll with, wait for an answer to come through at some point. Then you start <laughs> executing. <laughs> Those are the ways that I like to work because it's all in the moment, it's in the now. We hear that from so many traditions and so many books and definitely metaphysics. Every, every opportunity is in the here and now. What heals you? Anchoring and re-anchoring into self-compassion heals me. Self-compassion comes with a lot of healing because the mind still comes in sometimes, either with very direct phrases or with questions. And the questions make you question yourself. So self-compassion, knowing that with every moment I continue to get better and better at working with all the elements within my team. You got a whole team. Like, even if you're like, well, 
I don't do spirits and I don't do angels. That's cool. You don't have to. But you got a whole team within you. You got your physical body. That's one part. You got your mind. I think most people can like split that out, right? So that's how I just do my real easy one. When people are like, I'm not more than one person. Like I'm not multiple personalities. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you are way more dynamic than what you've been taught to believe about yourself. Mm-hmm. Let's break that jazz down. So a lot of times people very quickly between the mind and the body, they're like, yeah, okay. You got me to there. All right, then let's go a few steps down that road. Is your mind always in line with your emotions? No. You know, sometimes I feel like this, but my logical mind is telling me, okay, cool, then that's three things. So we start bringing it down. Okay, now we're at like five different elements of you. That's without even getting into those super woo-woo-y ones, like your pain body. Like, if we just keep it on the real, like, 3D level... There's all these parts of you. That's a team, isn't it? A lot of times, all these different members of our team, because nobody ever, for most of us, right, we were not raised up with this information, this knowledge that you got a whole team at your disposal. Nobody said that. So then you don't know that you got a whole team at your disposal and a whole team that needs to learn how to work with itself. You can't take, say, nine people, throw them on a soccer field and be like, be an awesome soccer team. You got to train. You got to show up together. You got to be willing to work with each other, meet each other halfway, strong suits, weak points. So I find that working with ourselves is exactly the same thing. Acknowledging that we do have a whole team at our disposal and that I am in charge of that team. So what kind of coach do you want to be? This one's real easy for me. So when I was, when we were stationed in Germany, sixth through eighth grade for me, around that time we were playing soccer. I was on one team and my brother was on the other team, one lower age bracket. So my dad was an active alcoholic at this time. And so he would even sometimes show up for the child's practice drunk. I knew that. Other people couldn't tell. I knew that. It's my dad. So we have this very human aspect. If people knew what was happening, we would judge it. If we said, hey, is it cool for some coach to show up drunk to the kid's practice? Everybody would say no. So boom, there's our human. But where's our divine? Because I believe us to be a And this I am borrowing from my dear friend, Susie, 100% human, 100% divine, all at once. So there's the human part. Where's the divine? The divine is this coach, my dad, would do all the practice with these kids. When the kids were cutting up and, you know, coach makes you go run laps or coach makes you go do push-ups, he'd go run the laps with them. He'd go do the push-ups with them. Everything. He would never ask anything of these kids that he wasn't already doing. These kids would do anything for my dad. And they were the rowdy ones. Like, if you looked at who these kids were in the classroom, they were the jokesters. They were the ones cutting up. They were the ones that were getting in trouble. But they had a leader that believed in them, a leader that nurtured them, despite the very human things that were happening in that person's life. And so they would follow and they would listen. And so these kids would have very different behavior with him than they would in the classroom, than they would with their parents. Years way after that, right? So it was maybe while I've been here in El Paso within the last five years that the wisdom of that experience really sank in for me. 100% human, 100% divine. What does it do to a human to have a loving, compassionate, invested leader at the helm? It looks very different. That's the opportunity to have with ourselves. Dear mind, what do you need today? Because I realized as soon as I woke up, you're firing off. Like we've done something wrong or we're behind. All the mercado, because I do the holistic mercado about every four to six weeks. All the mercados in four days, right? So it's tripping out a little. All right, cool. Guess what? We're not, this is a thing that I do straight up. If I wake up and my mind is feeling like we dropped the ball on something. I'm too behind. I'm too, I don't give myself permission to work until at least noon. 
because if I feed that energy, it's mm. going to feed that. <laughs> but if I take that aspect of me and I sit me down with me and I go, hey, baby girl, we tripping hard this morning, man. We tripping real hard. I can feel the in my energy. My hands are sweaty, right? The mind is over here just on hard click. So today, I know, and I talk, this is straight up how I talk to myself out loud too. I understand parts of us, in particular the mind right now, feel that we need to start working to get through this. But if we do that, we're just going to perpetuate that unsettled energy. And we don't deserve that. We don't mm -hmm. even do our best work like that, all right? Mm -hmm. So I know it's going to be hard for parts of us to do this, but we're going to go for a bath. And then I call in the rest of the team. And for all of y'all that are feeling settled, and I think this is an awesome idea for us to go get a bath, please take all the ones that are like, hell no, we got to do work. No, it's going to feel like hell. No, I don't want to sit still. I got to get... Take all of those and please hold them. Let's please hold them gently because this is going to be a challenging experience for them. But as a leader of this team, this is the decision I'm taking because I know this to be the best course of action for us in the long run. It will be a bit uncomfortable for some of us. Everybody that's feeling really awesome today, please let's hold them in love and compassion and accept. So it's a very different way of working with ourselves than Dan Grasa, you anxious this morning? You've already done the mercado for 10 months. Why are you stripping? Why are you still tripping on this? What do you think that's going to create in me? This, mm. this, I'm going to pop back off of myself. Get off me, like, right? And then there's this internal battle. Mm. Or if the victim comes up, that's if the judge comes up, the victim comes through. Oh my God, I can't do this. Why are we still doing this? Oh my God, why? Why do we keep doing the mercado? We get stressed out. Why? Oh, did, uh, no, let's take a nap. Let's go to sleep. Let's set that alarm for two more hours and two more hours. It never works, by the way. We're going to sleep for two hours. I do sleep, but it never works when I wake up. In two hours, then we'll get up and we're going to feel better. No, it doesn't. And we know this, right? We just do it anyways because it's our pattern. So depending on who shows up, the judge, the victim, whoever, it looks different. But if that compassionate, loving leader shows up, that's where we can honor our human experience. I'm not belittling or judging anything that I'm feeling. And I'm giving myself full permission to feel it because mm. it's very important. Give myself full permission to feel it and have that experience while at the same time acknowledging that I am so amazing and dynamic that there's this whole other aspect of me that can come up in support of those parts that are being challenged in the moment. What has brought you strength? Nowadays, faith brings me a lot of strength and I'm happy to be able to say that. The connections in the community that I've built around myself bring me a lot of strength as well. The acceptance that I believe that we do sign up, some of us decide to sign up for missions in advance. So one thing that's really brought me a lot of strength to know and accept that I did sign up for this mission. And it took work just to be able to believe that because again, the whole faith thing. So it's interesting how all these things are like woven together. You do a little work here, a little work there, and eventually it comes together. That's brought me a lot of strength. Having done the work to be able to develop the belief system, you see how the thing's a whole trajectory? Do the work mm -hmm. to develop the belief system that uh, I signed up for it. I gather strength in having people that are of different energies and personalities 
to remind me to not take it so seriously. So that definitely helps a lot as well. So what are you doing now? What are you doing in the community? So community, I love community. And the interesting thing is I was anti-connection before. This is one of my biggest medicines. It is also my biggest challenge to maneuver through and heal for myself. I'm currently at El Paso Behavioral Health. So that is a facility that we have here in El Paso for mental, emotional, behavioral, addiction, health stuff. And I work with inpatients. I work with people that are hospitalized there. I work with them with breath, movement, guided visualization, sound. I do all sorts of interesting stuff in there. The other thing is I hold weekly yoga classes. Right now I'm doing a Tuesday evening class on the West Side indoors. And I'm doing a Saturday morning class at Memorial Park. I also do the Holistic Mercado about every four to six weeks. What that is, is a farmer's market style event. I bring, it's usually a little over 20 collaborators that all have something to do with holistic health. So we have body workers, energy workers, crystal people, essential oils people, vegetarian food, vegan food, Ayurvedic food, gluten-free food, all these different kinds of things. We also had a children's workshop this last time. And then we also mm. usually have a full lineup on the mic, whether that's local artists doing their own songs or some spoken word. We also usually have a sound bath to start off the event. It's usually a five-hour event. The next one's going to be July 24th. How do we support you? The name of my business is Balancing. If you want to um, keep up with what I'm doing and all the amazing things that are happening within the community through me, you can find that on two pages. I am on Instagram and Facebook, and the handles are the same for both. So my main one where you can see about yoga, about breathing stuff, other offerings I have, and where I put most of my lives when I speak on wisdom when I speak on that's ever balancing so e-v-e-r-b-a-l-a-n-c-i-n-g ever balancing and then the other page is uh, for the holistic mercado also on instagram and on facebook so that's holistic w-h-o-l-i-s-t-i-c and then mercado m-e-r-c-a-d-o on instagram it's all strung together Nothing fancy in there. Oh, another thing I was going to say, too, for any of y'all that are heading up some sort of institution, yes. Have I worked with EPISD? Yeah. Right? Have I worked at Fort Bliss? And am I almost about to get my foot back in there? Yeah. So I've worked with a lot of different organizations here in the community. So if you're in one of those power positions, boom, let's use that power to the good. Please hit me up because I'm always looking for opportunities to just diffuse this information. You can create the life that you want. You're deserving of that. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? All of us are doing our best. And that best can look different at any moment. If you are on the conscious path and you find yourself in one of those moments where you're like, this again, I thought I already transcended it. I, already, I thought I already did that work. I do like to offer a perspective because it definitely helped me a lot. Life is, a, say, a spiraling staircase. I think it's easier for the mind to grasp. So if you envision a spiraling staircase, let's say if you look at it almost like as a clock, Say where the 12 o'clock would be. Well, as you're going up that spiral, you're hitting that 12 o'clock again. But then you go up and you're hitting that 12 o'clock again. And you go up higher and you hit the 12 o'clock again. Life is like this. And opportunities for healing are like this. As you're going up your spiral, as you're evolving, as you're ascending and you're transcending things, you hit that 12 o'clock. Let's say that 12 o'clock for you has to do with self-worth. You're going to hit that 12 o'clock and you're going to experience it. Say you're on the ground floor. You just barely started the staircase. You're going to do your work on self-worth to that degree, to the degree that is available to you 
when you're on the first floor. When you keep going up the staircase and you hit that 12 o'clock again and you have one of those experiences in life and you're playing the mindfulness game and so you're aware in the moment. Oh, it's a self-worth thing. Oh, wait, man, I thought that's when that defeat kind of energy comes in damn but what happened it's not that you didn't do the work as you went up you went up so it's not the same 12 it's a 12 it's the topic of self-worth but now you're at the level two the level three the right however up you went so what's happening is as your consciousness is expanding it's one of two things either you're stuck on the same floor and you're hitting the same 12 and if you're being honest and mindful with yourself and this is resonating you'll know which one's true and which one's the not true. Am I stuck on the first floor and I'm just keep getting, say, for example, uh, crappy relationships? Like the outside changes, but it's the same person. You're having the same experiences. We're stuck on the same floor and that's why we're hitting that 12 and that same person over and over again. Or is it that you went up a few floors, you did some work, you cleared some of that jazz, you got better self-love, uh, healthy boundaries, right? Self-worth, you've done the work. So you went up, now you're like on level three. And then you hit the 12. It's going to be different. How can it be different? Maybe that time you don't go full in right away. So is that what's happening? Or did you go up some level? So this time you come in and you feel that energy that wants you to move right into the house. But you're like, no, no, no. We're aware. We're mindful. That was a pattern we used to have. And I'm choosing differently this time, even though it's not the most comfortable for all parts of me. Because so much of me is so used to doing it the other way. So that's where that leadership comes in too, that discipline. So we're going to choose differently. So that's the difference. So it's the same thing because it's the same kind of person, same kind of person that you usually attract, but you changed. And so now you're not engaging there the same. So then what happens? And you go up some more floors. Maybe you're on floor eight. You hit the 12. You see this person. They're interested in you, but they no longer match your vibration. It's the same one from all the other time. But you've changed enough then now that connection isn't there and you're mindful enough to know it. That's what I think is beautiful to be mindful enough to be like, hey, there's that same person, that same role player coming through. I can acknowledge to myself that before I would have been very interested, but I can also acknowledge that that's not the way that it feels anymore. And so that's the difference. If we're just spiraling on the same floor forever, you're going to hit that 12 over and over and over again in the exact same way. If you're doing your work, you're going to be hitting 12s, but they're 12s on different floors, on different levels, with different opportunities for you to see the amazing work that you have done for yourself. Can I acknowledge, honor, and high five myself for the fact that I did stick with it and I was able to choose different? And I want to say one more thing, because I think it's also very important. Not everybody is worthy of your trauma story. When I did the workshop, for the Borderland Rainbow Center. That was one of the things I said at the very beginning, because here we are encouraging vulnerability. Here we are encouraging you to open up your heart and to not shield it. But I'm also very aware that not everybody's done the work to be a safe and sacred space for you to open that up. So the last thing that I would want to happen to somebody is for them to be carrying a pain, be carrying a trauma, a wound. Finally muster up the courage to do the work and to go express the truth and to unknowingly express it in a place that was not the base, best place for it to land. Because people can only meet you to the depth to which they've met themselves. And so, yeah, just know not everybody is, is worthy of your trauma story. And to be a bit prudent about where we begin to flex our vulnerability. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for everything that you do. And thank you for just being you. I appreciate that. And thank you, the listener. Without you, this wouldn't be possible. And as always, wishing you nothing but good vibes.